Welcome to another great episode of the Love Your City podcast. Letitia, so good to see you. Good to see you too, Sam. I think this is going to be our best one yet, actually. Really? That's yes, a big call. Absolutely. Well, actually, you could be onto something there because we're actually joined by local radio royalty. <laughs> Someone who is, feels super comfortable in front of a microphone. Well, yeah, because there's no cameras. Yeah. So you can yeah, wear right. your jammies or something. Well, well people tell me all the time you have got the face yeah. for radio, the look for yeah. radio. Yeah. <laughs> Debbie Dodds. Hello. Deborah. As in zebra, which yeah. I heard this morning. Mm. My Welcome. dad used to call me that when I was naughty, so don't use it. Okay, okay. no problem. Deb to my friends. I feel like, you know, this this podcast has worked like rungs of a ladder. And yeah, yeah I, I agree, Teach. This afternoon, as we record, we are going one rung, maybe even oh, a couple amazing. of rungs up. By having you on air. Oh, okay. So, so don't I'll, I'll receive that. Okay, <laughs> we'll see how we go. Um, Debbie, why don't you just kick off by telling us a little bit about yourself, forgetting what the subject of okay, the conversation sure. is. They just tell us about a bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a grandparent. So uh, thank you for inviting someone that's aged. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I'm married. So my husband and I have been pastoring a church for ten years, and we have three kids who are married and four grandchildren. And I have an ache for this city and for people that are forgotten, usually. Mm. Um, I work on radio. I just do a one show and work on the board there, try and make because we want to be a voice of hope. And I believe this year that's growing. Mm. Um, but I, I'm involved in another ministry that I want to talk about in a little bit that of course. has me so excited. Now, for those who don't know, because many of our listeners aren't in this city, we oh, know sorry, you as being from Toowoomba. Toowoomba. Yep. Yeah. So you're in our city Yeah. and we are thankful for that. Thank um, you. <laughs> you've worked a, a lot with my co-host, Letitia. Yeah. She's hard to work with, isn't she? I'm still okay, though. She has know. high standards. Yeah. And, <laughs> she, and she lets you know when she, she doesn't like the <laughs> things that you've got to <laughs> well, say. Well, no. I don't think I've ever done anything she doesn't like. No. Oh, really? No, she, but perfect. she challenges wow. me all the time. Yeah. Okay. You can't sit on your laurels or anything, can you? <laughs> all right. Yes, well, um, you know, comment, Tish. What are laurels? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sitting on them, that's no. for sure. Yeah, don't sit on them. Don't no, sit on them. Yes. Tish, um, the you are a part of this story that we've got Debbie in to talk about. Um, I think what's true in cities from almost the dawn of creation until now has been they're full of vulnerable people. And among those vulnerable people are often those who uh, are involved in the sex industry. Um, and it seems like there's not a city in the world or even a town where this isn't apparent. And that's certainly true for our own city in Toowoomba. Very much. Uh, I think in Australia, uh, I'm quite often um, I, from pastors particularly get surprised responses when they're like, oh, there's a sex industry, um, you mm. know. But because a lot of it might be behind closed well, it's good. They haven't been there. <laughs> Behind closed doors is probably appropriate, yes. Yes. Uh, but unlike some cities where you see the prostitutes line up on the yeah, roads and it's yeah. a lot more visual. Um, and in our city, it's certainly um, in the suburbs. But for every 10,000 people, they say there's at least one illegal brothel. And Debbie and I have spoken to hotel owners in this city who said it's been operating now mm. their hotel rooms. Yeah out of um, homes, everywhere. So mm. uh, the sex industry is alive and well in every city across so Australia. So tell us then a bit about our city, Toowoomba, because it'll be repeated across Australia. Um, what's what's going on here that you're aware of and, and how have you responded? Yeah, I mean, again, the sex industry has been working here uh, for a long, long, long time, um, but particularly 11 years ago, our state government legalised it and set up a legal brothel, um, which I think just lifts it to another level because it makes it glamorised and that this is a known place. Um, I know of schoolgirls who are over 18 who have worked there, so suddenly it's this place where you can go get a job. So 11 years ago, uh, when we became aware that they were wanting to do that, it was Anna Bly and her government 
um, and Kerry Shine was our local member here. We uh, saw him. We did petitions. Uh, we ended up doing a big old protest. Uh, we did everything we could. And this is an important point because um, it's important that we do stand up when we find out about these things that Christians do engage um, in polite ways. Everything was done beautifully and polite. Um, most of it, hey, yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> was. Um, and I hear, again, I hear Christians say, oh, we shouldn't be known for what we're against but what we're for. And I, sometimes I just think that's an excuse to be silent and not do anything. It's um, safer. It's yeah. safer. Or let's just pray about it. Again, I think that's an excuse. So um, we engage and it was great. But, um, of course, we weren't listened to really and the brothel opened. But the, the most important thing was our next step mm. because then mm. we, um, well, it was how we responded. I, I just knew of a lady in our city who had a heart and passion for particularly sex workers. So uh, myself and her and another lady, we met together and thought, well, let's start sending a team into the brothel. Mm. So uh, mm. she did. <laughs> so let me let me ask a question then on that. Like mm. the, some of the reaction I hear from Christian people and from mm. people in general is that uh, prostitutes mm. are empowered, um, that, that they've chosen this career um, they t- they take pride in it, and um, who are we to say that they shouldn't do that? And I've heard again, I've heard that from. Mm. What, how, how do you respond to that? We'll bring you in in a minute, Debbie, because mm. you're a key piece in this story. Well, look again, um, because we we know so many prostitutes, so many ex prostitutes, and you know their story, and mm. um, they're not empowered one bit. It's over ninety percent of them have been sexually abused at one point in their life. So um, many of the reasonings is well, um, let's just go get paid for the abuse. Mm. They think it's maybe a bit of an opportunity to have power over men. But everyone has a story of brokenness. Um, I don't. I'm yet to meet a woman who felt like it was an empowered choice that she wanted to mm. make. Maybe Debbie has, but I haven't in all my years. At the time. The ones in it, I find that they're trying to convince themselves it's empowering, mm. but the ones out of it, <laughs> it's a whole different story. So, Deborah, as in Zebra. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you're not in trouble. Um, at what point did you get involved in this story in this city? Uh, so, nearly four years ago, I, w- I was a school chaplain and I was finishing up in that role and the brothel is in the same suburb as my school, but also one block away from our church. And I'd been praying for that place for a while, wondering if there was a place for me. Um, I had been so busy with everything else, I, it was kind of out of my mind. So I used to cook for them <laughs> and send cookies over. Isn't that exciting? Um, but then as I was looking at finishing up one role, I thought, no, I want to get involved with the team. So, yeah, nearly four years ago, I joined the team. Uh, the team uh, is Rahab um, Ministries, which is started in Australia but is around the world mm. and it's about supporting and accepting and um, helping girls especially if they want to exit but befriending them in the in the industry so they can trust us and and uh, that friendship can open lots of doors mm. so I've been actually in the team for just under four years and I've been leading it for like a year and a half fantastic now. can you can you tell us like for those who are wondering because I wondered this I wondered this when I first heard about this tell us as as the Rahab team actually going into the brothel, t- take us through that the practicality visit. of that. Okay. What that looks like. Yeah. Okay, so we visit the brothel and the strip club. Fortunately, Toowoomba only has one of each mm. legal things, and in Queensland, the sex laws are a lot safer for the girls. So we have, it's nicer to look at. <laughs> um, so every three weeks, we usually go in twos. 
uh, we take platters of food that a deli guy does for free for us and coffees into the brothel. So we ring up and get an order uh, from the girls that are working and the manager lets us in and we get to sit in a back room that's kind of like a lounge room. It's their waiting room while they're waiting for clients to turn up. And we stay on average an hour and a half, um, have stayed for two hours just talking to them and they actually the ones who've seen us before get excited and want to hug us that might not be <laughs> happening um, no. in the next little while uh, and they just love us visiting and, and or we'll hear someone say these are the girls I told you about church ladies actually coming into the brothel wow. and then we'll have girls go why on earth would you do that mm. like why would you end up coming and seeing us I love that question so your first time going in, yeah. were you scared? I wasn't at all scared. I was so excited I could hardly breathe. <laughs> um, and as I got in there, there was four girls at night and um, and I just said to them, look, I don't know anything about your industry. Can I ask questions? And they said, go for it. I went, oh. But I only had to ask a few because I had f- so many stories. But I was sitting there with them, so two of us and four of them, and I felt like this is where Jesus would be. Mm. And it was an actually really deeply spiritual moment for me and it continues to be. It's awful and wonderful at the same time. Mm. Mm. Now, your last trip, I know um, one of them made a particular comment. Can you tell us about that story? Um, Because I think that's so important. Oh, okay. That was um, two ago. A two ago. About us fitting in. Yes. Uh, Yeah, so one girl who's quite rough (laughs) and tells you what for. Um, We we were talking about something really personal and um, we see some things in that place that you wouldn't normally want to see. And we were talking about the situation and this girl said you know for church ladies you guys are so accepting if you didn't accept us this would be a really uncomfortable moment right now but thank you Mm. that even though you're church ladies you actually accept us and we like you coming because of that and I go great thank you yeah fantastic so uh, Tish was saying before uh, as I asked her about the the uh you know that 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 myth that we have in our minds that women choose this and the, mm-hmm. you know the power in their bodies to do this and all that sort of thing have you heard stories of that or is I'm it more the opposite i'm glad you asked me that mm-hmm. because like tish said the ones who work in there say that all the time because i think they're talking in front of all the other workmates yeah. it's when they exit or when i meet them for coffee outside that they start to let you know what it really feels like mm. i remember one girl said you know about 90 percent of us are in here because we have had men put us in a bad place financially and so we ha- often don't have a choice because this is a big money earner and maybe we can fix up the mess they've put us in mm. so it's not just physical abuse it's mm. other kind of abuse that's yeah. put them in a place where they haven't got choices mm. yeah and I think that's a great prompting. I, I'd love you to tell the story of the woman you got out of debt. Yeah, okay. So one, what I really love is some of the managers see that we're an emotional support as well. So during the week when we weren't visiting, a uh, manager rang us up and said, I've got a really emotional girl here. I think she needs help. Can you come and see her? And so I went with the leader at the time who's young in her 20s and then me. And we know usually someone either needs a peer or a mother figure. And that night she needed a mum because her mum didn't know what she was doing. She was 20 years old with a three-year-old girl and a boyfriend who had racked up a lot of bills and said, maybe you should go and work there for a few days a week and pay her bills off. Mm. And I was sitting with her and she says, I feel like everyone is owning me except me and I feel my soul is crushing. 
which is exactly what I see is happening to the girls, whether they're actually aware of it or not. But she was just, she's been there five weeks and she was just feeling like she was ready to fall apart. And she said, I have to go out. So what they do is they go out and introduce themselves. A man comes in, all the girls go and introduce, so it's called intro, and then the guy chooses. So she has to go out and in a sense they've got to sell themselves. Uh, which is very similar to being on a street, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, she said, I don't want them to choose me, but if I don't have them choose me, I've got to come back more days because I've got to try and get some money. Otherwise, we're going to be homeless. So she she didn't have a choice, really. So she goes out there not wanting to be chosen and then waiting. So they over the loudspeaker, they'll say which girl has been chosen. And when it wasn't her, she'd, she'd look upset and yet relieved. And then um, we talked for quite a while and then someone did choose her. And she looked at I, – I wanted to run away with her. She looked at me like a lost little girl going, I don't want to go. Anyway, she did, so I went home and cried, <laughs> which I tend to do sometimes. But I met with her the next day. She rang me up and we met for lunch and she told me her story and she needed $3,000 emergently, urgently, um, <laughs> or, or they were in heaps of trouble. So um, Rahab was able to give her some food vouchers, so that was quite a few hundred to help them. And then I went to my church that Sunday morning and just shared this story, mm. as well as she'd mentioned she was turning 21. And I said, could we put on a party for her? Mm. And the church cheered like I was standing there and they're cheering people are crying people it was just a very special day I love my church um and by the end of morning tea an older lady in the church had gone around and gathered up the three thousand dollars from a small church Mm. and we were able to meet with her and pay the bills so you don't give them the money (laughs) and then we asked her to come back to the church just so I could see her before she and her boyfriend went off back home and they called in and there was a surprise party so not only did we pay the bills but we gave her so many presents and a wonderful memory she ended up leaving the guy because she realized her worth from what people had done for her and she still contacts me and says, I think I'm alive because of Rahab. Mm. Isn't that exciting? My goodness. Yeah, so. <laughs> Very. I feel like stopping the interview there because I'm sort of out of, <laughs> out of oomph. That's incredible. Um, ha- for, for, for stories like that, how many of the opposite stories are true? Um, I, we go to the strip club and there's many girls there. So we, at the brothel, you meet less girls, but you have deeper relationship. Mm. At the brothel, there's you know you'd be talking to at least twenty a night, mm. and so those ones really upset me because we don't have a long enough conversation to connect quickly. Mm. So it's mm. a, a long term. That's another thing you need to realise is this is long term loving, yeah. hoping for some kind of a connection, mm. and uh, so that that breaks my heart that one. Mm. But the last time we went, a girl talked to us for ages, and there was no girls in the room, which never happens. There's always a frantic amount. And she shared some really broken things in her life, and then allowed me to pray for her. Mm. In the in the, I'm praying for her while outside you're hearing the music and someone's stripping, and I'm going, "This is so exciting! Yeah, wow. <laughs> the opportunity!" And she was moved to tears that mm. I would do that. So there, there is. There's a lot of stories that you don't know where anything ends up. You just sure. got to keep loving, hoping that yep. every now and then we we really connect yeah. heart to heart. And so now, um, incredible that you've gone next level. Yes. <laughs> See, I'm I'm, a, I'm very pastoral, and I'm very I'm someone who always wants to go deep with someone, and you can't in the industry. Um, 
coffee time is good, but I wanted to do something more. And so Tisha and I were talking because, once again, she just challenges your brain. And we worked out that we needed to have a home group, like a connect group. So we've... Small group, life group, home yes, group. all that. Dinner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. dinner really. So it's not a Bible study. Yes. Um, so at the moment we're meeting with four girls every fortnight in a different home where someone cooks a meal and we sit around the table and just talk life. And the very first time we met, I just I set it up and told them that it wasn't about church, it wasn't about us trying to hit them with God. But I also said, you need to know we are prayers, mm. we mm. do follow Jesus and we're here for you. But we want to build a safe place where you can trust, where you can be real and we, we've got your back. And um, the first night, one girl said, my first 25 years, so she's 25, was in the strip club two years ago. So at 23, she was in an interesting, vulnerable place. But she said, my first 25 years has been awful. I feel like having met you guys, that I, I feel really mm. hopeful for the mm. next 25. Isn't that great? Wow. And then the last time we met, mm. a girl didn't want to come. And uh, she had such a bad day, but did turn up. And the next day, put on Facebook, because I went to my church thing, <laughs> um, <laughs> I know I, d I didn't use and she's been clean for 15 mm. months and I thought that's why we're meeting. If we can yeah. hold these girls up and keep them strong through the tough times of life, then we're doing what we, we want to. We want somewhere down the track maybe to have a conversation about how Jesus can change that, but we need to win the right to Are these heard. girls currently in the section? Uh, three of them have exited yeah. and one's still there. Okay. Yeah, at all different times. Um, yes. But yeah, I just want to bring up the point because last week I was in another city talking to some women and I think the way we no normally go is, oh, how do we help these women? Let's do a workshop on self-worth or let's do a workshop on drugs, you know. And I said, I just told them the story of um, our dinner and how yes. this woman didn't use drugs. And I said, what if we do more dinners? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're, they're way more likely to turn up. I mean, if we'd done a workshop, these oh. women wouldn't. Yeah, well, or they'd come for the first two and not the next four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, exactly. Kind of so we've got, I mean, now they've found a support group. So And we laugh you know, and we cry. And healing we, our cities yeah. is a lot of dinners. It doesn't have to be workshops. Mm. and. Mm. Mm. and I think and something amazing happens relationally around a dinner table. Mm. Yeah. Can I ask then, just in terms of carrying that thought, forward in terms of advice like if if someone's listening to this in their city and they it's stirring something in their heart this this mm -hmm. ministry is there is an exclusivity to it like it's not like something that i'd sign up for as a man mm. no um, i'm mm. sure there are ways that i could support it but yeah. being on that front line is not going to be for That's me right. right and and but there are going to be some who are listening who this is really stirring yes um we heard uh, tisha you're an activist uh you 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 did the uh that at the, mm. at the 11 year ago mark mm -hmm. Debbie, more pastoral, mm -hmm. getting in. And, and you guys do this group together, we should say. Yes, it's not yes, like you're I not pastoral. I do care as well. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, sometimes I, I wonder from my own <laughs> personal perspective. But anyway, oh I'm just, just kidding. Um, this is not about me. <laughs> um, what, what advice do you give to people to... Like, what sort of cloth do they need to be cut from in order for them to fit? Uh, Non-judgment is yeah. the big one mm -hmm. because... Um, I did have one lady say, oh, so when you go in, you tell them that they really should get out of the industry, mm. hey? And I go, no, they need to recognise that in themselves. But no, you, we are really quite choosy. We meet with people who say they're interested and we need to hear their heart. And um, we have had a couple that have started and realised it triggered something in them or they just they can't keep coming back. Um, but they thought they could, so we, we give them a try. Um, but it's really about people who are don't show shock but I actually think we should be never be unshockable yeah. Yeah. I pray that I would never 
be hard. Um, so I get shocked inside, I scream, but it doesn't show on, the f- on my face. But it's about seeing them as Jesus sees them and loved as much as we are. So if you can put up with the stuff that you hear, like I've actually seen porn for the first time, it was in the brothel. I'm really cranky about that because I've lasted 60 years not seeing that. Mm. And so it kind of wrecked me, but um, gave me an understanding of how mm. how it affects you. But if, if you're interested and it's not happening in your city already, um, I would encourage people to contact Rahab Ministry in Adelaide. You just go online, you'll find it. They train you and prepare you and help set you up. Uh, but it's about being willing to go the long haul and just start visiting. Mm-hmm. So in the very beginning, these the girls that Tish talked about would just go and hand out little gifts and things and not even see the girls and then one day they allowed them to see the girls. The owner at the moment p- went, went into the paper because he's trying to sell the place and he said, we even have um, church ladies that come in and, and help the girls if they're not fitting in the industry to find other jobs. So that was exactly a selling point for the business. That was a <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's yes. Awesome. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, I think he was trying to say We have see, church ladies. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, no, no, any more detail than that. No. <laughs> who come in and visit. <laughs> yeah, right. um, I think he thought, well, you know, if we have church people coming in, it can't be too bad. But it, it w- yeah, so it's amazing. Uh, he was even advertising that we do that. And also, I remember you telling me the story of because um, the women get moved around the nation a yeah, bit. Yeah, so yes, yeah, yes. Go ahead. So uh, I was sitting talking to a girl who'd never been there before. We have a lot of transient people, and she'd been up north Queensland. And she said, uh, "One of the reasons I'm here in Toowoomba is I heard that church ladies come in to love you." And I thought, "Really? I want to see what that's like." And another girl, I brought some bickies in one time. Um, no. I did, but I came one time and this girl said, oh, you're the Bicky lady? And I'm going, oh, gee, I could be called other things. But we, uh, this day, the deli guy uh, wasn't able to give us a platter, so I did a whole lot of home cooking. And she said, I've always wanted to meet the Rahab people because I stole those biscuits and the container. And every time I look at the container, I think there's some people who care about us. <laughs> Isn't that cool? And wow. she said, and now I've met you, I'm so excited. Mm. So, you know, there's a draw card there. How how big's your team in Toowoomba? Uh, Yeah, five. Five. (laughs) That's all. So we have two that go to the – on the one night, we Mm. have two that go to the brothel and then two go to the strip club. But if someone's missing, then we'll double up. Like I went to both the other night. Yeah. but we so we have five so that one could be called an emergency and we have do have an admin girl mm. that does a bit. That's I, I knew the answer to that question when I asked mm. you and I wanted wanted to hear that because in a mm. ch- in a in a in a conservative lots of churches city mm. five women uh, are doing this ministry now. Thank God for those five. Yeah. And I know this isn't your motivation, but what I hear in your voice even in this interview, but what I know from you generally speaking is the blessing on your life because of you doing this. That's not your motivation. No. But the way that you experience the presence of God, you experience the presence of Jesus in the brothel. Oh, yeah, it grows me spiritually in all levels. Absolutely. And and through the roof, spiritual growth. Yeah. And I think that's that's such an encouragement to so many people who would listen to this. Yeah. To say, you can do this. Like, yes. Debbie, you're a remarkable woman, but you're also unremarkable. Yeah, <laughs> like very. Skills and gifts and training. Yeah, yeah. Nah, just, you can I'm bake just, cookies. Yeah, <laughs> Like and some of those that. work. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and you love well. Um, <laughs> love so well. I think that's... Um, and it really is, it's about, we ha- our motto is acceptance, friendship and support. Mm. It's about that. 
and it's been good for me. I mean, I know Debbie Love as well, um, but just (laughs) to be joining in on these dinners and seeing how these women relate to her. I mean, Mm. she's definitely a mum and they definitely are drawn to her and they want a little piece of Debbie and it's just awesome to see. I've discovered that there's a lot of... um, a cry for a healthy mm. mum. Mm. I thought it was a lot to do with fatherlessness, mm. and it is there, mm. but a lot of them have a bro- broken or they're lying to their mum. Mm. So they've lied about what they're, where they're working, and so they it cuts the depth of their relationship. So I've, I know one of them has a better relationship because she saw that we could relate well, but, mm. you know, my mum could be so much more so she's gone back to her mum that's mm. exciting that that theme alone could be a whole series of <laughs> podcasts I reckon. we're out of time <laughs> okay. Debbie. i feel like we thank should, you so we should much keep, we should keep talking no thank you yeah. um th- the thing i want to close uh, with is we don't have to guess about god's heart for people in the sex industry no. because by his spirit he decided that scripture would tell stories of jesus interacting with sex workers yeah people in the sex industry and the way he did it uh, is an example for us. So if you're wondering about this, go read your Bible and find out Jesus' heart and that's what I see in you. I think it's about finding the gold in someone and drawing it out. Brilliant. And yep. they need to know that they are so precious. Absolutely. Debbie Dodds, thank you so much. Thank you. Maybe it has been the best one so far, Tish, I think. Yeah. Oh, poor like other said, people. there's so much more I want to say. Yes. Ask, but that's enough for today. The best podcast episode is the one we're doing right now. That's always <laughs> true. Thanks. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Tish. You're welcome.